0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. I'm recording in the morning, which is great. As soon as I was putting on my headset, I wanted to be like, "Good morning, Good morning." but you know, I know that that's not morning for everybody. That's not how podcasts work, but I have been routinely recording in the evening. And I'm not an evening person. <laughs> I am not an evening person. I'm more an evening person now because of kids, because I have to be. But still, morning is like, I, I am the type of morning person that annoys most people. I mean, 5.30 would be a late start. And by 7, I'm a couple cups of coffee into the day and ready to just like, why isn't everybody up? Why isn't everybody dressed? Let's do something. <laughs> Can you tell? Yeah. Anyway, hope you're having a great day, no matter what time of day it is. Lots of good things to chat with you about today, including I posted in the Primal Potential Facebook group, if you're not in there, it's a really great place where we have a lot of great conversations and it's free, about what what's going on when our expectations don't match the progress that we're actually making. We're going to talk about that. Um, I heard something really helpful on social media the other day that we're going to talk about. And then there's some questions from you guys. Uh, Self-talk when you notice that you're overeating, like you have the awareness that you're doing this thing and you're still doing it, then what? Um, And then a question about how to find what works for you, how to find what works for you. Before we dive into that stuff, want to share what I am giving away today. I decided I'm going to give away Mood Plus. This is an all-natural adaptogen product. It's a capsule. So you just take a couple capsules a day. I've talked about it a lot before, that adaptogens help our body adapt to stress. And the cool thing about adaptogens is they're a little chameleon-like in their effect, meaning if your cortisol is high and you take adaptogens, cortisol being one of our stress hormones, it helps to bring cortisol down. But if your cortisol is low, which happens in a lot of people in response to stress, adaptogens are chameleon-like in that they respond differently based on the conditions of your body. So if cortisol is low, then they can have the effect of increasing cortisol. What I really like about it is for me, it it has the effect of, the way I can describe it is taking the edge off. I'm the kind of person that when I start to get frustrated or overwhelmed or overstimulated, overstimulated is a real common one for me right now with three kids under two uh, and managing being at home all day and having businesses and a nonprofit and all this stuff, that there can be a point in the day where I'm like, everybody, I just grit my teeth and I'm like, everybody calm down. Mood plus takes that edge off to where I still might be like everybody calm down everybody take a breath but I don't have that like I'm about to blow kind of feeling so I love it I've been taking it for years I'm going to give it away to somebody who left a review last week of the show thanks so much for listening thanks for leaving a review I'll announce the winner at the end of the show and you can win just by leaving a review on whatever app you listen okay Here's what I had posted about earlier in the week in the Primal Potential Facebook group. I asked a question. Are your expectations based on your intentions or are your expectations based on the level of consistency you're currently demonstrating? Another way to think about it is, do your expectations match your effort? And I think for a lot of people, Their expectations don't match their effort. Their expectations are tied to their intentions. Because I want to lose a couple pounds a week, that is the expectation that I have. And I'm bummed, frustrated, mad, disappointed, irritated, all of the above when I don't. When your expectations are based on your intentions, you can expect to feel crappy a lot of the time. And then we are in this cycle of feeling bad and withdrawing and behaviors that maybe we turn to when we feel bad that further expand the gap between our intentions and our results. So it is really important to make sure that As you establish expectations or as you have an emotional response to expectations, you keep your effort in mind. This, for me, is one of the really common areas where I get to practice being drama-free. I don't feel happy about my results or I don't feel good about what I see reflected back in the mirror or something related to fitness or something related to a money savings goal or something related to business growth or lack of business growth, I can just look at my effort and say, okay, do I have an expectation of progress, of change that matches the effort I'm currently putting in? Or Do I have an expectation that exceeds the effort that I'm putting in, especially the effort I'm consistently putting in? Because it's not enough to put in effort every once in a while and then have an expectation that you could really only meet if you were being consistent if that effort was consistently applied day in, day out for years. I talk about this a lot um, with folks who are on my affiliate marketing team. And a lot of times they'll see folks getting results and growing, and then they'll start to be disappointed or frustrated or feel resentful or feel jealous, feel like, what's wrong with me? Why isn't this happening for me? And I have to remind them, your expectation doesn't match your effort, doesn't match your consistency over time. You are are wanting the results that somebody else is getting, but that somebody else has been more consistent or that somebody else has been more consistent over a long time horizon, a longer time horizon than you have. And so there's this huge mismatch between our expectations and our effort our expectations and our consistency over time you if you are feeling frustrated disappointed irritated resentful that is a sign that something is off that something that's off could just be you need to readjust your expectations to match the effort that you're willing to put in or it could be that you need to adjust your effort and you need to get more consistent. And you might be thinking, well, Elizabeth sounds great, but, but how do I do that? I want you to hear me when I say this. There are so many tools available, a lot of them free, and certainly many paid, that teach you consistency, that teach you increasing effort, that teach you how to create change. Now, You have to decide if it's worth investing in those things. But the fact of the matter is you might already know and you're just not doing them. And you're pretending you don't know because that's easier than holding yourself accountable for doing the thing. I'll tell you for me, it is absolutely worth it for me to make significant investments in improving my life because I know that I grow more when i have a coach and or when i'm in community with other people and i find that the community of people who are financially invested in their progress is a more supportive community, a community that I grow in more than a free community. Now, a free community is certainly better than no community at all. But this is why I joined a business mastermind this year. And I had taken a couple years off from business masterminds just because I didn't want to do purely virtual, but I also didn't want to travel in, when I was pregnant, when I had you know infants, that sort of thing. And even this year, I was like, gosh, should I or should I not? The twins, they're so young. I don't necessarily want to travel with them. I also don't want to leave them. What should I do? But it was a no-brainer for me to invest in my growth because I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want there to be this huge gap between the things I want for my life and the things I'm actually doing for my life, things that I'm actually creating and so I made, you know, what for me was an uncomfortable investment because it's worth it because this is an address rehearsal because we only get one shot at this life. So if you are somebody who's like, well, OK, that makes sense. I probably should put forth more effort, but I don't know how you are deciding then you are deciding to tell yourself you don't know how when. There are so many resources that break down the how, whether we're talking about resources on this podcast, whether we're talking about resources in Chasing Cupcakes, whether we're talking about the hundreds of millions of other books that have been written to help people create change or the resources of the Consistency Course or the resources of a million other programs that are out there or also applying the things that are in your head. The tools are there for everybody. You just have to ask yourself, are you using the tools? Are you implementing the tools? Are you doing the work? Are your expectations based on your intentions? Do your expectations match your effort? Something to think about for today. The other thing I wanted to just touch on really quickly before I get to your questions, which are the most important things here and it ties into how. How do we make change? How do we make change? And I've shared before that I like to use questions to help me create improvements in my days, to create improvements in my habits, to create improvements in my responses, to create improvements in my thoughts. I like to use questions. You'll find me asking a bazillion different questions. Well, one of the questions that I like to ask myself is, What can I do to make today a little better than yesterday? I like questions that are very targeted and very specific, focused on the day that I'm in or sometimes even the hour that I'm in. Like, how can I make the next hour a good hour? How can I win the next 30 minutes? Those kinds of things. Well, I was reading a post from John uh, Romaniello, I think. Anyway, uh, he was talking about he used to ask people, how can I make your day better? That's how he would end conversations with clients or conversations with friends. Like, what can I do to make your day better? And he said, more often than not, people would kind of just dismiss the question. Like, no, nah, I'm good, buddy. Like, thanks. You know, talking to you is great. Blah, blah, blah. So he shifted the question because he found that, it, you know, most people weren't like, you know what you could do? And he started saying, how can I make your day 1% better? And because that was more specific and because that was very small, people were more comfortable answering. One of the things this reminded me of is I've talked a lot about the things that I learned after my daughter died. And one of the things that I learned, and I'm tremendously grateful for this lesson, is that saying to somebody, let me know how how I can help, let me know what you need, is a very useless question that probably has great intentions, but will never get you what you want. Like, it's very, very rare that somebody's going to be like, oh, hey, you know how you said last week uh, to let me know how you could help? Well, uh, can you pick my kids up from school tomorrow? That just usually is not the way it happens. More often than not, people will say thank you, and that's the end of it. And so what I started doing is giving people options. Like I could give you an Amazon gift card or a Whole Foods gift card, which would you prefer? Or uh, I could bring over dinner on Tuesday, or I could uh, order takeout from your favorite restaurant, which one works for you? Or I could take your kids this Saturday or next Saturday, which one would you prefer? That is so much more effective in what we're trying to do when we ask those kinds of questions. It also applies to us, right? When John says that he found it was more effective to ask, how can I make your day 1% better? It's also true that we can do this for ourselves. Instead of like, what's wrong with me? I need to do better today. What can I do to make the next hour an improved hour, or what do I need to do in the next, you know, four-hour work block to get done the things that I said I was going to get done? Like, what, what do I need to do differently? What's one change I can make to the way I'm eating today that will be more effective? These kinds of questions are much more actionable because they're much more specific and because they're much more narrow in their scope. A lot of times, you know, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about, you know, expectations matching effort, that it can feel frustrating to know like, okay, well, yeah, I know I need to increase my effort, but I don't know how. Cue this type of response. If I were to do one thing today that reflects greater effort, what would that one thing be? You know, maybe you lift heavier weights at the gym instead of kind of phoning it in with the ones that are pretty easy and you're going through the motions and giving yourself credit because an easy workout is better than no workout. Maybe you can push it a little bit there. Maybe if you've normally been getting 5,000 steps a day today, you can get 7,500. Maybe if you have been focusing on uh, trying to improve your marriage today, you can say, I'm going to intentionally give three compliments or, or verbalize three different appreciations be specific, be focused on today. And if today seems too big or you're setting intentions today and you're not following through, then look at a smaller time horizon. What can I do today before noon? What can I do in the next hour? What can I do between when the kids go to bed and when I go to bed? Be really specific. Okay, a question came in from one of you that says, what do you suggest I could say to myself when I'm overeating, and aware that I'm overeating, but continuing to do it. I love this. I love this because it reflects I have the awareness, but sometimes it feels like I don't care. And I would say you do care, you're just not building up that part of the story, right? And, and in a lot of cases, you're probably doing the opposite. You're probably saying like, I don't really care. It doesn't matter. This one thing won't hurt. I'll do better tomorrow. Out of emotion, out of the emotion of fatigue or frustration or overwhelm, but you're disconnected. You have the awareness, but you, you've disconnected it from what you do want, and why you want it. And so the story of what you're eating and why you're eating it is stronger and more compelling than the story that hasn't been developed in that moment of all the reasons you want to be a different way. You want to choose a different thing. So there is no one magic thing to say because everybody's different and different reasons and different narratives resonate with different people and also resonate with us at different times in different ways so let me give you some examples is it worth it the other day I got tortilla chips when I don't I don't normally buy tortilla chips but we had been at a restaurant and Roman was really really into them and so I saw them and I got them because I'm like oh this is something I know Roman likes And then Chris took Roman to the playground and I'm home with the twins and I'm hungry and they both fall asleep. So I have the opportunity to get something to eat real quick and I grab a handful of tortilla chips. And I'm sitting on the couch being like, this is, this is going to do nothing but increase my blood sugar. Like I haven't given myself nutrients. I haven't given myself protein. And so I said to myself, is this really worth it? Because look, if Chris had brought, home the most amazing red velvet cupcake in the world, I'm cool with having that, knowing that it's doing nothing but increasing my blood sugar. It's not, you know, there's not protein in it. There's not a whole host of vitamins and minerals that are supporting my body. Because to me, it's worth it. And that's kind of a rare thing. Are the tortilla chips worth it? Am I really loving them? Are they super special? Our contractor came by the other day and um, his wife I, I can't remember her her cultural or ethnic background but she made some like um, foods that aren't familiar to us that represent her culture and she had just made them and he brought them over and I'm like this is something I've never had before I want to try it I tried it and I was like mm, you know what it's good but it's not amazing it's not worth it so challenge yourself to be like is this really worth it am I loving it and if you're loving it then tune out everything else that's going on you know I don't want to eat while I'm feeding a baby or rocking a baby because then I'm not fully enjoying it. So if I want to fully enjoy it, then I'm going to wait till I can fully enjoy it. and I'm not going to watch TV or be on my phone or anything like that. Are you really enjoying it? And then is there a comfortable stopping point? Because what a lot of times happens if we're just disconnected is we eat long past that point of maximum pleasure. This has been well documented. I talk about this a lot, how in terms of the dopamine release and even the just subjective degree of enjoyment, it goes down with subsequent bites. So like the first bite, the second bite, the third bite, those are highest on the sort of pleasure meter. And then it really quickly falls off to where when you're 10, 15, 20 bites in it's, it's almost not even like ringing the bell. It's not scratching the itch. You're just doing it because it's there and you're not consciously getting much out of it. So I'll check in with myself. If I decided like, yeah, these are super worth it. Well, then like three or four chips later, uh, is it still worth it? Like, am I still loving this? Because if I'm loving this and it's amazing and it's worth it, okay, no big deal. We can work with that. But check in with yourself. The other thing that I like to ask myself is, am I really hungry? Am I doing this not because this is an amazing thing, but because I'm really hungry? Well, is there something I can add that would make what is pleasurable more nourishing? So yeah, maybe I need to stop have some leftover chicken, maybe make a meal out of this and we can get some cauliflower rice and some chicken and some salsa and some guacamole. And then, hey, you want to have some chips with that? Cool. But what can I do to make this thing that I'm eating for pleasure, what can I do to make it more nourishing? That's a really powerful one. And then the other one is like, can I take a break and come back to it in an hour? If I really want more in an hour, I can have more, but can we just build in a pause? Because a lot of folks will just graze and they'll just keep going in large part because they never entertained the, the thought of just like, let's take a break. Let's go do something else. Let's come back to this. I often do that with Roman if we're doing something like screen related. Sometimes um, when I'm working out, I'll turn on screens for him. Of course, I try to minimize screen time, but my workouts are a higher priority than minimizing screen time. So if it means me getting through a workout, I'll absolutely turn on some music for him to watch on YouTube. And if he has a mini meltdown, when I go to turn it off, I'll say, listen, we're going to do something else for 10 minutes. And if 10 minutes, you want to come back to this, we will. And I would say nine times out of 10, he's not interested in that. He's not asking for it 10 minutes later. And if we can engage with something else for a little while, best case scenario, it doesn't hold the same appeal a little while later, 30 minutes, 60 minutes later. But if it does, then you can kind of go through this process again. Am I hungry? Can I make it more nourishing? Am I willing to wait a little while? Those are some examples, certainly not an exhaustive list, but some things to consider when that comes up next time. All right. The last question says, how do I find what works for me? I've been looking and struggling for years now. I think this is a really common sense of, I don't know what works for me. People will try, especially... I would say almost most specifically around nutrition, right? I've tried doing keto, I've tried calorie counting, I've tried macro counting, I've tried Weight Watchers, I've tried meal delivery programs, and I'm just struggling and struggling and struggling. And what I would say is all of those things probably work, right? If you were consistent with them and not consistent for like a week or two, but consistent for the rest of your life most all of them would work. There are very few things that fundamentally just don't work if you're consistent with them. Then the reason people aren't consistent can be a lot of different things, but one of the common ones is this doesn't match the way you want to eat, the way you want to live, the way that works with your lifestyle and your preferences and all of those sorts of things. So Instead of just, I should try this because it's working for somebody else, or I should try this because I heard it on a podcast, start with what reflects the kind of relationship you want to have with food for the rest of your life. For example, I, I'm hesitant in how I'm going to say this, because I got a really odd email from somebody who suggested that, uh, a plant-based way of eating was the only thing that had been shown to reduce inflammation and all these kinds of things, which just isn't true. In fact, what's actually true um, is that most nutritional research is really poorly done and can be debunked. And there's a very small subset of research that is well done and can't be debunked. And I won't go into in this episode kind of like which is which, um, but... The fact of the matter is, in a lot of research that appears to say, we'll pick on plant-based diets for a minute, a lot of the research that appears to show that a plant-based diet is responsible for all of these things like lowering inflammation and lowering risk of cancer, it's not so much the fact that it's plant-based. It's got nothing to do with the fact that it doesn't have meat. It's got to do with the fact that it has uh, less sugar that it has less processed seed oils. And so then people will then deduce, well, once you stop eating meat, then all of these good things happen. And it's like, well, it's actually not what it shows because you have to look at and compare to other diets in order to be able to draw conclusions. Uh, it's something that's one of the components that confounds a lot of these and leads to those kinds of messed up conclusions. Well, A, people not really knowing what they're talking about, but B, something called healthy user bias. So if you look at people who follow a plant-based diet, well, those are also people who tend to be more active. Those are also people who tend to not be smokers. Those are also people who tend to drink less alcohol. And so what is it? It Could it just be that we're looking at the difference of, of collectively a group of people that doesn't smoke? Could it be collectively that we're looking at people who are generally more active? Um, I'm saying that because this, where I was going with this is I believe in the studies that show that um, primal ways of eating that tend to be lower in vegetables and higher in meat have all of these positive health health outcomes, again, in large part because they have an absence of sugar. So it could also be a sugar factor, could also be an alcohol factor, could also be other things. But... I don't want to eat that way for the rest of my life. I really love and enjoy vegetables. I love the volume that comes from having a cabbage salad bowl. I I really like that. So I'm not going to, even though I believe that I could lose weight and see improved health markers by following kind of a ancestral, primal, carnivorous way of eating, I don't want to do that for my life. So that's not a plan I'm going to follow. This is why a lot of people are inconsistent because they're picking plans based on like, oh, so-and-so lost 15 pounds doing XYZ. I should do that. They're inconsistent because it doesn't align with how they want to eat for the rest of their life. So they find that like, oh, I'm doing this carnivore thing, but oh, it's my kid's birthday and I want to have cake and I want to have this. Then don't choose that because what you're setting yourself up for is inconsistency. And then you're going to feel like, gosh, I don't know what works for you. Any of them probably work for you, but you haven't yet decided what reflects the kind of lifestyle I want to have. Truth be told, you don't have to follow any particular plan or program but maybe you need to indulge less maybe you need to overeat less frequently and also start lifting weights and start getting off the couch and sitting less start with what reflects the kind of relationship you want to have with food i want to have vegetables daily largely because i love vegetables not because I think vegetables confer all of these crazy health benefits. In fact, I lean more towards the side of uh, vegetables are probably more toxic than we think. But I still believe that I can, on the whole, be very healthy, especially by avoiding these other things. A little side note here, because I know I'm going to get crap from somebody about this. When people say, like, well should I have meat or should I not have meat? Should I eat vegetables or should I not eat vegetables? Are fruit the problem or is fruit not the problem? I like to say we probably don't need to decide on any of that because if collectively we ate fewer processed foods, we eliminated seed oils, we stopped eating sugar and we stopped overeating, we'd all be healthier. So I don't, the things that people are debating are not the things that everybody agrees are problematic. Okay? Sugar, processed foods, seed oils, those are the things, you know, trans fats, franken foods, those are the things that everybody agrees on. And so people will be like, well, I don't know if I should do low carb uh, or if I should do, uh, you know, Mediterranean diet or if I should do carnivore or if I should do vegan why not start with the things that like everybody knows are not aligned with good satisfactory health outcomes? Because the fact is, there's a very good reason why you can show health improvements with a vegan and also health improvements with somebody who is carnivore. And it's because both of those people, in most cases, are not doing processed foods and processed sugars and fast food and alcohol, and blah, 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 are at least doing those things far less than a standard American diet, all right? Yes, you can absolutely follow a vegan diet and eat nothing but processed foods, okay? Most vegans are not going that route, and I certainly don't recommend that you do it. Same thing to be true with carnivore, though it's a lot harder to do processed foods with carnivore. You, you can. Uh, the market has created options that fit the bill there, I would say they're probably a lot healthier than vegan processed foods because the, the options are much broader uh, for processed foods that are just free from animal products. But I'm telling you that because there's so much arguing over stuff that's like really not the biggest rock the biggest rock is going to be lift weights, move your body, stop eating sugar, stop overeating, minimize processed foods, Franken foods, all of that kind of stuff. And if you want to do that as a vegan, do it as a vegan. I've got concerns with that, but I've also got concerns with people who just eat bacon all day. So, you know, that's that. How do you find what works for you? Begin with what reflects the kind of relationship with food you want to have. I want to have vegetables every day. I want to have fruit every now and again. I'm not a big fruit person. I feel like the more sweet I eat, the more sweet I crave. So I try to minimize that flavor profile for myself. But at the same time, I want to indulge a couple times a month. I want to go out for ice cream with my kids and enjoy that. I love ice cream and I love that experience with my kids. I don't feel the need to eliminate that for the rest of my life, but I support the fact that that is the goal for a lot of people. So begin with what reflects the way you want to eat. Stop choosing plans that don't reflect the way you want to eat for the rest of your life. All of them will probably work if you're consistent. So then we need to help you find something that you want to be consistent with, that you can make work for you for the rest of your life, not just for 20 pounds lost. This is what I teach in the consistency course because consistency is the ultimate skill set for all of these things that we've talked about today. All right, the winner in today's episode, Ocean Skater. Ocean Skater, email me, elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Tell me you were the winner for 1066. Include your mailing address and I will get Mood Plus out to you. Some people might need it after getting their feathers ruffled upon my opinions in this episode, and that's okay. All right, everybody have an amazing day. Talk to you soon.